welcome. Great to be with you again tonight, just to share the word. And there I can see you. Wow, some of you look good. Um, some of you are not awake yet. We have just finished, if you've missed it, an awesome series. Yes, holiness being set apart. And so if you missed it, remember everything on our website. Go and listen. Um, my prayer is obviously that as we finish a series being called to live holy, to be set apart, that we will not stop. Yes, we might have stopped the sermon series, but let us not stop in our conduct, and walking um, in a way that is set apart. And so it's my privilege to announce our new sermon series. I'm very excited. Relationships. Ooh, it is what it is. Now, that's actually the name. <laughs> all right, so behind me. I don't know if you picked it up last week. Gideon, relationships, and you all kept quiet. It is what it is. That's actually the slogan. So it is what it is. What is it? It is what it is. What is it? If you think of relationships, it is what it is. What is it for you? What should it be for you? And so if God looks at it and He says, it is what it is, I am what I am. What does He say relationships should be? And that is what we are going to focus on in the next few weeks. I am starting tonight looking at the standard for relationships. Ladies, if you are sitting next to somebody that is not a, of a female heritage, then just bump them. This is what you need to listen to, the standard of relationships. I'm going to try my best to make it easy for you ladies tonight. And then next week, we're going to speak on love, dating, and marriage. Yes. And then the last week, great sermon series. I think Yaku is going to preach it. Let's talk about sex. And so as a church, we are going to talk about it. It is what it is. What is it? All right. We are going to talk about that. Because what does God say it should be? And what did God intend it to be? And so I am really looking forward, so much so that I'm going to be away for the next two weeks. Um, but you enjoy it, yes? Yes, it is what it is. The average person makes 35,000 decisions a day. Just imagine that. Average person, 35,000 decisions a day. So the question we should consider is, what informs your decisions about relationships? So if we make decisions, what is it that is busy informing your decisions about relationships? So many good sources and input that we receive daily, and I didn't want to miss this opportunity. You can get the video right already. Um, I thought of just sharing some of these good resources out there. We're going to watch a video, life-changing, about relationships. Let's have a look. I'm thinking of getting bangs. Oh, you totally should. You would be so cute with bangs. <laughs> you have the face for it. I don't. Oh, there's my better half. Kim, would you mind? Thank you. Hey, honey, where are you? Oh, I'm on my way to Downey. Oh, uh, did you know Karen and Richard Carpenter grew up in Downey? What a random and not helpful fact, Phil. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm having kind of a rough day. Yeah, I'm kind of having a rough day myself. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Phil, I need you to take care of dinner for me. What's wrong? Oh, 
Alex ripped Haley's favorite sweater, and now I'm driving around from store to store trying to find the exact same one before Haley finds out. Don't do that. Just explain to her what happened. Uh-uh. Haley's not going to understand. Sure she will. No, Phil, you don't understand. I'm trying to avoid this turning into a whole big thing. Then just get her something close. She'll never know the difference. Phil, could you just take care of dinner, sweetie? That's all I'm asking. That's it. I'm just saying there's a simpler way to do this. There is no simpler way. Just make dinner. Thank you. Hello? Okay, I'm confused. You're saying that if she tells me she has a problem, I'm not supposed to help her? Not unless she asks for your help. But if she lets me help her, I can make her problem go away. Ah, <laughs> oh, that is such a male thing to say. Well, forgive me for being a man. Oh. Mango or kiwi? Ooh, kiwi. When you say, you know, do this or do that, all she's hearing is, I'm smarter than you. Believe me, she doesn't think that. Mm. She doesn't want you to solve her problems. She just wants you to give her support so that she can solve her problems herself. Yes, and sometimes, sometimes she just wants a sympathetic ear. Oh. Whoa, yes. mm -hmm. whoa. Maybe it's all the creams, but that just made sense, girlfriends. <laughs> so if Claire says, I hate getting stuck in traffic, mm -hmm. I shouldn't say maybe you should leave earlier mm -hmm. or don't get on the freeway. Oh. I should just say, I know. It's so frustrating. Yes. Really? Yes. And, and if she says, uh, uh, the waiter I had today was so rude, I shouldn't say, maybe you should just order something on the menu for once. I should just say, what a jerk. Yes! And if she says, Phil, the TV's driving me crazy, I should just say, I know, there is not enough quality programming for women. No. Turn off the damn TV. Okay, now I'm confused again. A lot of good resources out there and inputs on relationships, yes? And so, from just gauging at this, we, all we need to do is practice. All we need to do is practice. Just get all the input you can get and just practice, yes? I mean, after all, practice makes perfect. But here's the thing that uh, Fred taught me, that uh, reinforcing the wrong guitar playing technique will not produce the perfect note. And so, without understanding what God says relationship should be, you will keep on reinforcing the wrong technique, expecting the perfect picture, and that will not happen. And so tonight, we're going to look at what does the Bible say is the standard for relationships, and you can open your Bibles with me in Ephesians 5. We're going to read together Ephesians 5. And so chapter 5, verse 22, to chapter 6, verse 12, Paul actually speaks specifically about household relationships, marriage. So go and read about it. If you're planning to get married or are married, he gives a clear picture of what marriage should be. And then he also speaks about the child-parent or parent-child relationship and the bond-servant-master relationship. And so if you had to write a topic or a heading for this piece, chapter 5, 22 to 6, 12, it would have been the, the Christian conduct or the house rules for a Christian house. That would have been more or less what you would write. But it's the verses before verse 22 where he speaks about the standard for relationships in general, what we are going to look at. So we're going to read together from verse 1. Chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore... Therefore, 
Be imitators of God. Think of relationships. Therefore, be imitators of God. As beloved children and walk in love, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity, all covetousness must not even be named amongst you, as it is proper amongst saints. Let there be no filthness or foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an adulterer, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when, they, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is the butchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Father, we pray that as we open your word, as we just, just open our hearts for your word, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will minister unto us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Is this okay? Can continue? Great. So what is your standard? For relationships. If it is what it is, what is your standard? Meaning, what is your conduct? How do you react and interact with, with strangers, with colleagues or with fellow students or the ones sharing a room with you in the dorm? How do you interact with that individual? How do you interact with uh, family or friends? How do you interact with your parents? How do you interact with your siblings? If we are to be imitators of God, what is the standard for our relationships? Is it based on, is your standard based on your personality? Well, I'm the huggy type, you know, I'm the loving type, and I just like to hug everybody. That's just my personality, or you know what? Um, it is what it is. I'm not that. Or is it based on your previous experience? Your previous experience in relationships. 
whatever happened, whether good or bad, that currently informs and dictates how you react in relationships. Maybe for you it was hurt. And so your view is all men are rude. All men are out there just to do one thing, and that is to hurt. Because of a past experience. It informs your conduct. Or maybe for you, it is Auntie Oprah Winfrey with a wise counsel or Dr. Phil that are busy informing your conduct. And so the question tonight that we will answer is what is the biblical standard for relationships? Answer given in verse 1. Let's look at it. Ephesians 5 verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. God is perfect. That is why Paul here, when he writes to the believers in Ephesians, he instructs them, he exhorts them, be imitators of God. There can be no higher standard for anything than God's standard, than God. And that is why he says imitate. That is the only place in the whole of the Bible where you will find the words imitate God, mimic God. Like children will mimic their parents. Yes? Shared a picture two weeks ago, my son and me, how he's mimicking me. You know, I like to work with him. I do it every day. Um, and then whenever I work with Hammer, which I don't every day, just in case you wondered, he needs to have a hammer and a nail. That's just the way it is. Girls, can you remember the days when you still put on your mom's shoes? Well, now you do it for real because it actually fits. Yes. It's mimicking your mother or mimicking your father. And so how do we imitate God? And what I'm saying next, I do with a lot of reverence and honor. There is no way that I can dress like God. There is no way that I can speak like God. Yes? How is it possible to imitate God? And it's found in God empowering us, God enabling us through the Spirit to be like Him, to act like Him. When we look at the attributes of God, that which is true of God, that's that which you can attribute to God, that is the attributes of God, who He is, can be divided into two categories. The communicable attributes of God and the uncommunicable attributes of God. The non-communicable attributes of God. And for the free staters amongst you, like me, I saw you suddenly went, let me explain. What does it mean, uncommunicable? I'm going to shake Zach's hand, and in this moment, I am transferring to him cholesterol or high blood pressure. You sometimes do get high blood pressure from somebody's actions, and I see all the doctors are frowning at me. You cannot transfer cholesterol. It is uncommunicable. It is non-communicable. There are certain attributes of God that we will never possess, like omnipotent. We cannot be all-powerful. Yes? Omnipresent. Everything of God is everywhere at once. We cannot be that. Omniscience. The all-knowing. In the ages 15 to 25, some of you think you possess that. 
You tend to say to your parents, you don't know. You don't understand. But we cannot possess those attributes of God. It is uncommunicable. It cannot be transferred. But then there are those that are transferable. Through His Spirit, He empowers us, He enables us, and He instructs us to walk in them. God is patient. God is kind. God is forgiving. God is graceful. God is merciful. God is loving. See, the day that you came to faith, the day that you were born again, the day that you accepted Him as Lord and Savior, through His Spirit, you became partakers of His nature. In Genesis 1, verses 26 to 28, God says, let us make man in our image. Some of the translation says, in our likeness. And so there is certain attributes that He wants us to reflect into a broken world that will point people to Him. And so yes, in case you are not clear yet, you will never be God. Yes. But He graces us and He instructs us to walk in a way that reflects those attributes of Him that He empowers us to reflect. And so God is love. God is love. There is no higher standard for any relationship than the love of God, God's love, which is why Paul instructs us as believers, imitate that. Imitate the love of God that He empowers you to do, enables you to do. Take that into your relationships. Love others like God loves you. Verse 1 is a plea to us as believers. He pleads with us. Imitate God. There is no such thing as a believer that does not walk in love. It's an oxymoron. It is like dating somebody, but you don't follow them on social media. Doesn't happen, yes? Or don't check them out on social media before you say yes, yes? Doesn't happen. You cannot be a Christian and not walk in love. It is the birthmark of all Christians. It is what sets us apart from the world. Listen to what Jesus says about love. John 13, by this, the birthmark, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. What is a disciple? It's a follower of Christ. Are you a follower of Christ? By this, people will know that you are, if you have love for one another. And let's not mistake this to say, well, I'm only supposed to love those that love Jesus. So remember, Jesus loved us when we were unlovable. And so the biblical standard for relationships is love. As children of God, we are to imitate that. We are to walk in love. And so what does it look like? Okay, Donnie, we understand it is what it is. In our relationships, it is about loving in a way that God would love. How does it practically look? There's three things that we see in the scripture. I'm going to point them out to you. Ephesians 4:32. To walk in love is to walk in 
forgiveness. To walk in love is to walk in forgiveness. Listen to what it says, Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. When you walk in love, when you are busy imitating God, you will walk in forgiveness. He empowers us, he instructs us through his spirit to be an individual that walks in forgiveness. And the same spirit that empowers us and enables us is also the spirit that teaches us to be humble, to recognize when we have made a mistake and to ask for forgiveness. There is no way that any relationship can function and work and can portray the perfect image God wants it to portray without individuals walking in, asking for forgiveness and giving forgiveness. I know that I know that there is no perfect father out there. And I know that I know that your father at some stage or your mother still maybe does things that irritate you or maybe does things that upset you or that maybe have hurt you. And so what we see here is it says when we walk in love, when we imitate God, it is us forgiving. It is us creating an environment where I can forgive my mother or father or friend or girlfriend or boyfriend or all men for that case. Yes, ladies? Even before they ask for it. And not to walk in a way where I say, well, I'm going to make it tough for my dad. I'm going to give him the cold shoulder. I don't know how that feels, but in any case. I'm not going to, for the next three days, I'm not going to say good morning or good evening, dad, or, um, you know, sleep well or anything. I'm going to walk into the kitchen and if mom and dad is there, I'm just going to greet mom lovingly and I'm going to talk to her as if dad does not exist. How is that a picture of being busy imitating God. For those that are married, and some of you are here, it is not retrieving into that cold cage of yours, cave of yours, where your husband is not allowed to even touch you or look towards you, because he better understand that I'm angry, and he needs to deserve the forgiveness that he is seeking. We are called to be imitators of God, we are called to walk in forgiveness. What did Jesus do? He came to die, to create an environment for forgiveness when we did not deserve it. It is me creating an environment where relationship can be restored even if the other person does not deserve it. That is what sets us apart. Second thing we see is to walk in love. To walk in love is to walk sacrificially. Ephesians 5 verse 2. And walk in love. There it is again. It's the instruction. As Christ, this is the how, loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Walking in literally means the manner in which you go about daily. To walk in love is the way I go about my actions daily, my walk daily, is to love. 
And Paul uses an Old Testament picture of animals being offered, sacrificed on a burnt offering to God to explain what this walking should look like. What this walking in love should look like. It should be sacrificially. The fact that we are redeemed in Christ. The fact that we are saved in Christ is based on Jesus voluntary sacrificing his life. And then we see, and that pleased God. That pleased God. He gave himself freely when the world did not deserve it. When you and I did not deserve it. What is the opposite of walking sacrificially? Is walking selfishly. Not being a person that will sacrifice for the good of others. I am selfish. I go into relationships. What is in it for me? How will this relationship benefit me? Can you see the two opposing pictures? There was no benefit in this for Jesus, and yet he sacrificed. How easily it is that we go about things and saying, you know what? The day I'm going to get married, I'm going to go into this 50%. There's the other 50%, my husband or wife, they need to deserve it. I'm going to go into this, this dating whatever relationship. And if this guy doesn't open the door for me, then I'm not going to do this. Or if this lady doesn't do this for me, then I'm not going to do this. We see how this becomes a selfish world where it is about what is in it for me. And again, we see the picture of Jesus saying, no, I came and I gave and it was pleasing to the Father. It is standing in front of the pulpit one day and when you say I do, it is making a covenant and a promise before God. Saying in that moment that from this day on, I am giving you my 100%, whether you deserve it or not. And whether you hurt me in future or not. And whether you do send me that WhatsApp or not. And whether you hold my hand or not. This day, you receive my 100% because I want to walk in a way that is pleasing to God. Ladies, I know this is still a younger group. This morning I shared it and everybody knew what I was talking about. After 10 years of marriage, men don't open the door for ladies anymore. You know that. They only do it because it's a new car or a new girl. All right, I'm joking. All right, so love is to imitate God. Our standard for relationships is God's love. God calls us to imitate that, to walk in it. We walk in it by being forgiving, by giving it. We walk in it by being sacrificial. It's not about me. It's about how I can serve you at work. You know, if I share this with this guy, potentially this can mean an increase for him or even promotion. So I'm just going to keep quiet. Or I'm going to say to him, I'll help you, but what's in it for me? Not that. The third thing we see in the scripture. To walk in love is to abstain from sin. 
To walk in love is to abstain from sin. Paul mentions six sins in this scripture, between verses 3 and 7. But sexual immorality and all impurity, all covetousness, must not even be named amongst you. As it is proper amongst saints, let there be no filthiness, 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 no foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. Six things that he mentions here. How is abstaining from sin walking in love? He mentions two things. Be forgiving. Be sacrificial in the way you approach people. But then abstain from sin. Listen to what John says. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. If we are to imitate God, if God is love, that's the perfect standard. He's saying here, let's read it again. For this is the love of God that you keep His commandments. The six sins that Paul is mentioning here, others that he's mentioning in some of his other letters that other apostles wrote about, all is not new commandments given. It is not suddenly birthed in the New Testament. If you go and read the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, you will find exactly the same things. You see, there's an error that we walk about as believers. We think that the law of God has no bearing on us anymore. Jesus said this about the law. I came to fulfill the law, not to demolish it. I am to fulfill the law, not to demolish it. We are saved by grace through faith. Yes, we are not there to try and create salvation and redemption by keeping the law. We are saved by grace through faith. But in that moment, we are called to be set apart. We are called to be holy. We are called to live according to biblical standards which is the commandments given to us. In Jesus, whom of you want to steal? In Jesus, whom of you want to cheat on your wife? In Jesus, whom of you want to murder somebody? But we tend to think the law does not apply to us anymore. What is the greatest commandment? Anybody? Love the Lord your God. Second, Love your neighbor as yourself. And so go and write those two things tonight for yourselves. And then take the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. And you will see the first four speaks into, if we do this, it honors God, it loves God. The latter six speaks about, if we do this, we love our neighbor. And so these were given to help us to live, to walk in a way that imitates Him and that communicates love. And so how does keeping or abstaining from sin create a picture of walking in love? By abstaining from it, we honor God. By abstaining from it, we create love amongst people. I have seen no girl yet that feels good about it if her boyfriend cheats on her. I have seen no wife yet that loves her husband more 
when he looks at pornography. You see, sin comes to steal and to destroy our relationships, our walk. What is the standard? If we say relationships, it is what it is. May it be true of us that when people say their relationships is love, they walk in a way that communicates love. How do we do this? If that is the standard, that is how it looks, how do we get it right? Practically, application, how do we, what do we do daily to be able to walk in a way that is forgiving, sacrificial, and abstaining from sin? Verse 17, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is the butchery, but be filled with the Spirit. God enables us through His Spirit. He empowers us through His Spirit. Know His will. Know the Word of God. Know His standard for relationships. Go and read what He says about marriage. Go and read what He says in Ephesians 5 about being a child. How you should respond towards your parents in an honoring way so that it may go well with you and that you will live long. Know the Word of God. That is how we go about living in this way. By knowing it, I know how to walk and be filled with the Spirit. He is sent to be our counselor. He is the one that will shine the light of holiness on those areas where we need change in our lives. And so as we seek His counsel, He will help us. And as we seek God's Word, we will understand. We are called to imitate God. We are called to walk in a way that communicates His love to a world that desperately needs it.